to kind of, um, I want you all to jog your memories back from back in the day when you had a cassette tape and you would record record some songs and and we're going to talk about a, a couple of songs we're not going to talk at, at length length on it but does anybody or did anybody call radio stations and request songs okay <laughs> some of you shook your heads no but i i did not very often but i did and so when you did that you're like oh my gosh this is going to be the best song and so what did you do you sat by the radio and waited for them to say you know, you're like, you're like just sitting there waiting for the, for at the break in between songs. Maybe the next song is mine, right? And you sit there and you're like, uh, okay, he's gonna do so you hit the record button and then he says somebody else's name. You're like, darn it, that's not it. But then all of a sudden, you record it and, and here comes the DJ that says, from Jody in Corona, California, we're going to play I Wear My Sunglasses at Night by Corey Hart. Anyone? Okay, everything's going to be 80s for me today because that's how I grew up. So, um, or, or the song Thriller, anyone? I mean, Thriller, because I'm not going to even try to do the dance. Brent could get up here and do the dance. He's good at that. But um, uh, I remember the year that Thriller had come out, it was really popular. Of course, there were other popular songs. And I was watching, and, I, and you might have to help me. It, some of you 80s people will have to help me on, on the title of the show. But there was a countdown, a song countdown show on TV. And I don't remember what it was. And um, what? It might have been Solid Gold. It may have been Solid Gold. So I remember this one night. The best song was, I mean, it was like the, the Thriller. I mean, that's just got to be number one this week. And I waited and I waited, and I remember the song that they said, number one song is Jump by Van Halen. And I was like, no! So, you know, just like some of those memories. How about, oh, my gosh, this song I would have recorded every time it came on. You are the sun, you are the rain. That makes my life this foolish game by, by Lionel Richie. That was, that was, I loved that song. If you don't know it, you should, you should listen to it. It was awesome. Um, but now what about the times you would call into the radio station and you had a crush on someone and you wanted to dedicate a song to somebody? Anybody ever do that? Yeah? Call in and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so nervous. You know, you, you call in and be like another Lionel Richie song. Hello, is it me you're looking for? You know? Um, there was one year, um, I had, I had a big crush on this one guy and, um, his name was Danny and, um, for some reason it must've been spring break time and he was, he was out of town. I remember I knew he was flying on an airplane out of town and I was in the car and the song, I will be right here waiting for you by Kenny Loggins came on. Anybody remember that song? <laughs> and then you cannot forget any of the Chicago love songs. You're the inspiration. You're the meaning in my life. Okay. We, my mom and I used to harmonize to that a lot in the car. It was, we all loved it. It was great. So, me, so you, would, you would sit there by the radio, and I remember there were times that it's like, no, I hope no one comes in my room right now because I'm listening to the radio, and I want them to interrupt, you know, as I'm recording these songs. And, and um and so you, you wait for them to play your song so you can record it. And then you request another song next week, and you record that one the same So now you've got your perfect mixtape, right? So that was, that's my, my memories. And 
there, um, there are certain seasons in your, in your life that when you hear certain songs today, it brings up these feelings like, oh, like especially from the year 1987, which was the year I graduated. So if I hear a Billy Joel song, I am like, you know, that just transfers me back to 1987 when I was getting ready to graduate. And it just, you know, it was just those, those memories. And so they make you feel like, you know, you feel, oh, you, it, it gives you a happy feeling, right? So um, how many of you remember, and I meant to bring it today and I forgot, um, you know, obviously you've got boom boxes that you recorded on, but how many of you remember the dual tape boom boxes? Yeah? So you could record, you know, from tape to tape. Then they decided to add a CD player in it with it. And it's like, oh my gosh, the, the sky's the limit here, you know? I can record anything. Okay, I don't like all the songs on this CD, so I'll put two songs, and then I'll change it out, and I got a tape for my car. Because, you know, at that time, not all cars had CD players in them. So, and now, I don't know if any car has a CD player in it, does it? <laughs> I think some do. Um, but, uh, yeah, my dad actually, this right after Brent and I got married, he had taken a trip to Hong Kong, I think, and for some reason, I don't know how he got it, over back home, but he bought all of this electronic, because I guess you can really get it really cheap over there, um, electronic equipment, and brought it over and was like, Merry Christmas. And I mean, there's this boom box that he brought for us. It was like, how did you get this here? And I knew he had more stuff that he had bought. So, so we had a player just like that. So, But when you think about different seasons that you've gone through in your life, and you think about, you know, so certain songs that come up when, you know, and memories that come up when you hear certain songs, you know, there, there are different feelings that happen. You know, sometimes there are feelings of, of, you know, happiness. Sometimes there are feelings of sorrow. Sometimes they remind you of different things in your life. And, um, but it, it takes you right there. But we're, you know, th every day of our life and every person in this world, including Christians, goes through seasons where they have challenges in their life. Seasons where we fight, where, where we have um, maybe lo loss in our life, divorce or, or pain, sickness. And, and we have seasons where we are faced with hardships and challenges. And I, I was really reminded of this in the last few weeks, um, that a lot of times we ha don't have a problem as Christians. Now, I'm not saying this is everybody, but I do know it's myself. Where we believe for somebody else. For instance, David Diaz, who is sitting over here. I mean, again, two weeks out of the hospital, week and a half out of the hospital. Yeah. I mean, he was in the hospital for a long time. Over a month. And it was grim for a little bit. But he's sitting here. Why? Because of the prayers of faithful people that love him. Okay, but hear what I'm saying. A lot of times, that's easy. We can pray and believe for another person. But when the attacks start hitting us, we're walking through it, and so we're reminded of it. So believing for ourselves sometimes is harder. And it's like, well, we could sit up here, I mean, teach the word about it and talk to other people about believing and having faith, but then when it hits us, sometimes we just accept it. So a few weeks ago, Brett and I started the keto diet 
um, which has not contributed to what he's, he's going through at the hospital, just to rest assured. Um, but we started that. If anybody has done that, you know, the first couple of weeks is hard. You are, you've totally, you totally get rid of carbs in your diet and you, you know, you eat high protein and they even say you can eat, you know, high fat, uh, good fat though, like avocados and you got to be smart about it. Um, but the biggest thing is getting carbs out. Well, let me tell you something. Brett and I, um, are carboholics. <laughs> Every meal, chips and salsa or chips and spinach dip, you know. Um, I mean, I love bread. I love bread and butter. I've grown up that way. I still love it. I could do without it, but I love it. Okay? Yes, bless the Lord. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, that first week was horrendously hard on both of us because you know, you're, you're cutting this out and you're basically, your body's detoxing basically. And, and, um, so what we started doing was researching, like, why are we feeling like this? Why, why is it so bad? And the first thing that pops up is something about the keto flu. And it's just, it's very common. Some people suffer worse, some people don't, you know, it, and we just happen to be ones that were really getting every symptom that you could name of, of a flu from stomach to, you know, achiness, fever. I mean, we really didn't have fevers, but, uh, but we, you know, you get chilled and just all of the symptoms of having a flu. And so, but we were like trying to push on and do it. I mean, and it lasted for at least a week and a half. And finally, this one night, um, I mean, I had been in severe stomach pain and it, I knew what it was. I knew what it, that it was part of this diet. And, um, and one night I just was like, I, I just, I, I got to get out of the house and do something. And I, it was the tax free weekend. So it was a Friday night. So I went at like nine o'clock at night. I left my house at, and, um, went to Walmart to get school supplies for my boys. And wh- as soon as I got in the car, it was like the Lord grabbed me on the inside and said, you're just accepting this, that, that, that those symptoms you're having, you're supposed to have. <laughs> because you made a choice, and so you're accepting this pain. You're accepting how you're feeling. And I was like, you're right. That is, you're right. And so all the way to Walmart, I just, I started praying. I rebuked the devil. I started praying in tongues, and I was just like, all right, I'm done. I am done feeling this way. And let me tell you, when I got home three hours later, um, after the shopping, um, I felt like a new person. I felt, it was like I, I was, hadn't even been feeling that way. And I'll tell you, if you've ever gone through that or any kind of a flu, you feel, sometimes you feel like it's never going to end. And, um, and when I got home, Brett was laying on the floor in his stomach and he was in severe pain. And of course, then we figured out why he was in so severe pain is why he was in the hospital all week. But, um, so, um, he was on and I was ready. I was like, all right, we're done with this. I am tired of this house not feeling good. I'm tired of I'm tired of it. The devil's just trying to attack us. So I and it was late. We spent a lot of late 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 nights this summer. And so the boys were up and I said, "Boys, come over here. We are going to talk here." And I said, "The devil is trying to attack this family and we are not having it anymore and we don't have to accept this. So let's get down here and let's pray for your dad right now." And so we did. And, and whether he got better like that or not didn't matter. My faith was not wavering. 
See, a lot of times when we don't see the result, we're like, well, I guess I'm supposed to feel this way. And the thing is, we're not. We're just saying, I am a child of God. Well, if we're children of God, we have his DNA, and he is everything, and he's perfect. And he wants us to walk in wholeness, and we'll get more into that. But that is what we're supposed to do. And so that means we don't accept the attacks. We don't accept that the devil's trying to stray us from the word of God and stray us from doing what God's called us to do. And, and so that is what, it was a big revelation for me. So when Brett said, hey, you might want to think about what you're going to preach about Sunday, this was immediately where I went. And um, because I know beyond anything, I know that as children of God, we're not supposed to walk in debt. We're not supposed to walk in pain. We're not supposed to walk feeling sick all the time. We're supposed to walk in abundance. Amen? So let's, let's go ahead and get out our Bibles and let's, let's turn to John 10.10. 10. There are scriptures here that we, we quote all the time, we know, but the thing is, it's in there for a reason. So we need to always be going to the Word we don't have to get some deep thing that no one's ever heard. No, these scriptures are in here. You know, like when we're making a mixtape, usually those, the mixtape is full of songs that a lot of people really like. A lot of people really know. And so that is, you know, the word of God is like that. There's a lot of scripture. There's a reason why a lot of people know verses like John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Okay, so we know that. That is a fact. We know that. But it goes on to say, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, what does it mean to have life to the full? It's to live in abundance, abundantly. Now, that doesn't have to just refer simply. We, a lot of times we think abundantly means we're to be prosperous financially. No, that means we are walking with our head held high and we are feeling good. We're feeling healthy. We're feeling abundant in the word of God, abundant in his provisions, abundant in the things that he has for his children. Amen? Amen. So how do we do that? Um, you know, we talk about the full armor of God. Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Well, the devil's schemes are trying to get you sick all the time or, you know, showing up with some big old hospital bill, which we haven't had yet. Um, but there are, there are things that the devil is going to try to get you to do to get you off your call, off course with God. Because you know why? He hates God. He's jealous of God. He hates him. And so when we uh, are walking as children of God, then he doesn't like that. He, he, the, Satan doesn't attack people who are living for him. He's attacking those that are living for God, you know? So let's talk briefly about, you know, the armor of God, specifically the breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness. Um, let's, let's talk about what, in, in the Bible times, the breastplate in, in the Roman army, uh, a Roman soldier, um, it provided protection for the torso. Now, we know that. And a lot of times you'll see pictures of, uh, of a breastplate, and it's now the picture that we have up there 
you see the front of it. Now, if you saw another side of it, you'd see that it has a back. There are a lot of them that on, that's only the front, okay? But this one is not. This is the back as well. So why? Its protection is for the torso, which contains all our vital organs, our heart, our lungs, everything that we need to live. Without this breastplate, a soldier would be literally, if he didn't have it on, he'd literally be asking for death because the, the arrows that would be shot it would go right through the heart. I mean, there's, there's no question. But with that breastplate on, there's absolutely, like any, any attack would be useless, you know? So, so a soldier would have to keep that on. Um, the attacks would become ineffective and useless as blows glance off of the ar- armor. Isn't that cool? So when we talk about the breastplate of righteousness, what does that mean? Well, let's read Proverbs 11.4. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. If you don't have righteousness, <laughs> then it doesn't matter. In the day, in the end, how much you have has, has no bearing on life or death. Um, without righteous, righteousness, just like the breastplate, we leave ourselves open to almost certain death. With righteousness, just as with the breastplate, the otherwise fatal attacks, attacks of our enemy are thwarted. There's no question if an enemy tries to attack us, when we are wearing the breastplate of righteousness, the armor of God, think about wearing a full armor of God, there is nothing that an attack can do to us. Amen? So here's something that's cool. Breast, the breastplate of righteousness means putting it on causes you to stand up straight. Okay? Get that. Because you can't, you can't slouch. So, you know, how many of you, um, may, I, I know I've said this recently, but how many of you um, have children or remember your mom nagging you? Stand up straight, stand up straight, stand up straight, right? Because, you, you know, you got to have the spine straight. And so, um, you know, it might have been annoying and nagging, but it, there's a purpose there, right? Um, we have to stand up straight. Well, if you're wearing a ble- breastplate, like that, that's metal, (coughs) you cannot slouch, (laughs) okay? And a king back then wouldn't want their army slouching because why? If you're slouching, you're not looking up. When you're slouching, you're going like this. I think I said to Preston, I don't even, where is he? He's right there. I said to him the other day, Preston, stand up straight. I was like, oh, dear God, I can't believe I just said that. Sound like my mother. Um, and because, you know, it, it, when we're slouched like this, like I said, <laughs> you're, not, you're not seeing what's going on around you. When you have that breastplate on, it's protecting you all the way around. And in the back, it's protecting everything. So we have to, have to, you know, you have to go into battle with the full armor of God. But that breastplate causes you to stand up straight. And so what else does it cause? It causes, when you're walking like this, with your head held high and your chest out, your back straight, you're confident. You know? When I stand like this, I feel a little more confident. When I stand like this, not so much. 
but you're confident. And when we're confident, it makes us more brave, more courageous to fight off the enemy. Amen? When we aren't paying attention to what's going on, it's going to be easier to get attacked. And so we have to do that. So let's, um, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, <coughs> be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. If we are in a battle, we've got to be strong. There's no option. Amen. So now we're going to talk about the song that I chose for today. Now, I will say this. When I was in high school, this song was out, and um, I, I, I knew of it, and I liked it. But um, last year, I think it was, the movie Sing came out. Anybody see that? And there was this character in there. Um, he was a teenage gorilla, and he, had, he could sing great, but he couldn't play any instrument. And so the guy that's, you know, doing this show, putting this show together, is like, okay, you're going to learn how to play the piano. Well, he had no idea. And so he, um, he started playing, he messed up and everything. But anyway, at the very end, he gets down there, and he starts playing the song, I'm Still Standing by Elton John. Okay, and so I, I loved it. I loved it from that movie. And when I was thinking about what song I was going to use today, I was like, this is going to be it. So let me read the um, chorus to you guys. You know, I'm still standing. I'm still standing better than I ever did. Okay, looking like a true survivor, feeling like a little kid. I'm still standing after all this time, picking up the pieces of my li life without you on my mind. The point I want to make is I'm still standing, and we're going to keep talking about that. So that's the song that we're, we're using as the mixtape song this week. Um, so let's talk about people in the Bible who were courageous, and they stood up and not just stood up for, you know, what they believed, but they were courageous. They went into battle with no fear. One of the most, you know, common ones you would think of is David, okay? He was King David, but... Before he was King David, he was a shepherd. And, and he, was, um, he was not very old. He, in fact, Preston, would you come up here, please? I imagine he might have been a little bit taller than Preston, but he was a kid. When he first got called, when Samuel went, stand right here, babe. When Samuel first called David, he was a kid, tending the sheep. Stand up straight. <laughs> He was a kid, not much bigger than Preston. And yet, when he was called, he knew there was something, a spirit within him that gave him courage, right? So, Steve, could you come up here, please? <laughs> so, there was a day where he decided, David decided to go out to, um, you know what, go stand over there. Thank you. Um, David decided to go out here, out here. Um, decided to go out to the field to bring food to his brothers, right? Y'all remember the story, David and Goliath, he, you know, with the stone. But here, now face each other, okay? So it'd be like Preston, no, no, no you don't need to punch him. <laughs> Fighting against, now he's not a giant, but you, know, you understand for the analogy, right? Um, you know, David fought the, David fought the giant, Okay, he went out there 
I mean, now he didn't have a breastplate on, but he did have the righteousness of God within him. He spiritually knew. Here's the thing. He knew, stay up here for a minute, okay? He knew what was inside of him. He knew he had the power of God inside of him. So, you know, he's like, well, I may not have a spear and a sword, but listen, I, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he defeated the giant. Now, David did not just have the physical giant in his life. He also had, when, when King Saul, who, King Saul regarded David as a, a son. He was best friends with his real son, and he, so he was like a son, okay? But when Saul found out that David was called and anointed to be king after Saul, it, it, I mean, it just infuriated him. He was so jealous that he decided, I'm going to kill David. So what did he do? He chased him, and he chased him. So David had two great giants in his life. One was physical, one was spiritual. He, and, and, and yet he had within him the courage and the strength, the power from God on high from his father to fight. You guys can go ahead and sit down. Let's talk a little more about David. So, so here's the thing. There's, there's a verse, verses in 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 24. Okay, so, so David's been running from, from Saul. He's running for his life, but, he, but I really don't believe that he was, like, I really don't believe he was full of fear. I think he was doing what was, he, God was telling him to do, and he was using common sense. Don't just stand here and, you know, see if you can fight him. You know, and don't just stand here and wait for him to die so you can be king. He, he ran, okay, and, and he hid. And he had other people with him that, that were, you know, encouraging him. Listen, you can take Saul. You can do this. By, by now, he's a little bit bigger. Um, he's not a kid anymore. So um, 1 Samuel 24, verse 8 says, and we're going to read 8 through 13. says, then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, my Lord, the king, when Saul looked behind him. Now, let me do, uh, do a quick backstory on this. Some of you may know that Saul was, um, David was hiding in the cave. And Saul was out chasing for David. And he got tired. He went into the cave to take a nap. Well, I can't imagine. I mean, this cave had to be gigantic because he went in the same cave that David was in. But he didn't see him. So, David, so as Saul wakes up, he he, he wakes up, and David says, My Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father look." See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. So... David, obviously, I mean, can you imagine? You're like, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sneak in. He had every chance while Saul was sleeping to kill him, but he didn't. Because you know what? 
He knew he was called to the Lord, so it didn't matter. It didn't matter. So he just cut off his robe. And so that's Saul was a giant in his life. Let's talk about the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? They were faced with and, and challenged. They were in King Nebuchadnezzar's court, and they were told everybody in the kingdom was to bow to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. And if you did not bow, what happened? You got thrown into the fiery furnace. So um, let's read in Daniel 3, verse 15. Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we serve the gold image which you have set up. Verse 22, therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. They were standing in that fire. They didn't bow. They stood up for what they believed. They stood up. They didn't bow. And you know what? God spared their life. They stood they were left standing, even in the midst of the fire. We could go on and tell other stories. You've got Daniel in the lion's den. I mean, all Daniel had to do was call upon the name of the Lord, and an angel came and defeated that lion. Esther, Queen Esther, she was in the king's court. Listen, the king's uh, assistant was ready to kill all of the Jews, okay? Esther was a Jew, but the king didn't know that. She did not tell him. And when the time came that all of the Jews were going to be killed, she knew she had to tell him, I am a Jew. And what happened? The Jews were set free. They were not killed. They were not killed. She stood up, and she was brave, and she had courage. So here's the question. Why and how did any of these stand up against impossible situations, against the giants, against death? Why and how? Each of them knew that they were called, they were anointed to do what they did. They were called and anointed to be in a, in a position for such a time as they were. Everything they do, they did, they did to the glory of God, and they followed and obeyed. Each of them was bold and courageous because they knew that they had the greatest, most greatest power backing them. 
They knew it. They knew within them. David knew within him that he was filled with the power from on high. He knew he was destined to be the greatest king that Israel had ever had. He knew that. And so he did not fear. So I want to say this. The song that we'll listen to later, still standing. In the face of the lion, Daniel called on the angel. And what happened? Daniel was left still standing. Amen. Those three Hebrew children, they were confident and they knew that their God would deliver them. They were left still standing. They came out of that fire. Nothing on them. They were not burned. They were not hit. There was nothing on them that showed that they were in a fire. They were still standing. Esther stood before the king and stayed standing. And she didn't get killed and the Jews didn't get killed. She was still standing. David, oh, even before he was king, he knew he was going to be king. He knew he would be king. He knew that, that he would be in, endued with power. And uh, when he came out of that cave and chased down King Saul, he, and, and when he stood before Goliath, and he, he did, you know, he killed Goliath. What did he do? Huh. Come at me, bro. I'm still standing. You can do nothing to me. When he faced King Saul, hey, you want to kill me? Come on at me. I am still standing. I was in the cave with you. You didn't kill me, and I'm still here. I am still standing. So what we have to do today, what you have to do when you go out, when the devil tries to attack you, you can say to the devil, come at me, bro. I'm still standing. I am filled with the power of God. I am called as his child. I am a child of God, and I will stand. I will stay standing, and I will not bow, and I will not back down. Sickness may come to me, but I'm still standing. Listen, my husband is home. He is well. He was, he's still standing. Some of you, David Diaz, still standing. Some of you have been through the fire, but you're here. You've been through the fire. Some of you are going through the fire, but you're here. You're standing. So you got to tell that devil, devil, get out. We are not going to take it anymore. I am going to stay standing. I'm going to stand my ground, and we are going to be victorious. Amen? Hallelujah. Bow your heads. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.